Minds of Meaning Podcast. The Minds of Meaning Podcast. A podcast where we grow together in understanding the unique ways that God has created us. Here's our host, Austin Anderson. Welcome to the Minds of Meaning Podcast, a podcast where we grow and understand the unique ways that God has created us. My name is Austin Anderson. Today, we have a special treat as I had the chance to talk with the Vice President of Public Relations at Angel Studios, Lori Heiselman, during one of my speech classes at Judson University. In case you haven't heard of Angel Studios prior, they are the producers behind the television show, The Chosen, and they have also distributed one of the most captivating movies of 2023, The Sound of Freedom. Lori is an alumna of Judson University and also serves on the Rich Mullins Center for Creative Expression Advisory Committee that is housed right here at Judson University. I talked to Lori about numerous topics, including what it's like to be a publicist around a movie that is causing cultural controversy. What led you to choose Judson University as your school of choice and how did that kind of lead you towards your trajectory in public relations? Well, I found out about Judson because my mom saw an ad in a magazine. It's not a sexy answer at all. Like, I looked at a bunch of other schools, but my mom saw Judson in this ad. I lived like three hours west of here. We came to visit, and I just loved it. I just fell in love and was like, this is it. This is where I'm going. And so I started with a degree in piano performance. So I spent a lot of time in this building, and I realized I was far too big of an extrovert to get a degree in piano because of that little practice studios downstairs were just terrible being trapped (laughs) in. So I ended up with a degree in human relations. As I continue to talk, and for those of you listening on this podcast, we're doing this. This is also my speech class on Monday night. So you found Judson, right? And you went through and got this human relations degree. You've had quite the trajectory. You've ran your own PR firm. You've done so many different things. And eventually you found your way to Angel Studios. So if you wouldn't mind just taking us through that journey post-graduation and within reason, those stops along the way and how you ended up getting to where you are. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll cliff note it, but well, downtown Elgin, there used to be a recording studio in an old Masonic temple called the Sonic Temple is what the studio is called. And so I got a job there my senior year. I should back up. With a degree in human relations, I did a like a work study at one of the mental hospitals in town. And I was like, oh, I've made a terrible mistake. (laughs) This is not what I want to do. And Dr. Curry, I found out about an internship in Nashville at a record label. And he told me that if I could write a paper at the end of the summer sharing like business and psychology merging, and I could write a paper about what I learned about that over the summer, then I would get the three credits. And if not, I just wasted my summer. So I went to Nashville for eight weeks and I slept on couches of people that I met and wrote this paper. And while I was there, I met the people who run the Sonic Temple at the time, this recording studio in town. And that got me my first job at a record label. And so I worked at um, little indie upstart Christian labels back in the 90s before Christian music was like a huge, huge industry. It was very grassroots then at the time. Then I moved to Nashville, moved to Los Angeles for 10 years, worked in some music management companies, left LA because for a year I worked on the road doing movie marketing campaigns. So I left LA in August of 2006 and got done August of 2007 and just ended up in Nashville because I met some really fun people along the way and just ended up there. And I realized at the time that I wasn't getting movie jobs when I worked in LA. Like that was that was never like my thought. But when I got to Nashville, I kept hearing from movie companies that they couldn't figure out why they weren't selling tickets to movies in the South on Saturdays in the fall. And I was like, well, because there's SEC football. Have you never heard of like Bama 
and Ole Miss and Mississippi State. And they never even thought about it. And so I found a niche working in movies just in kind of saying it's not run by the coasts, like the movie companies were marketing to New York and LA and missing the middle. And so that was kind of where I found my niche and I started a PR company and it just kind of ran from there. And you have that company. And as we were talking over dinner a little bit, you still have some loose affiliations with it. But within the last year or so, you've had this experience now where you've come approached with Angel Studios and starting with them. If you wouldn't mind just kind of talking with us a little bit about how that progression over the last year has kind of come to be. Yeah, well, one of my favorite things to do is red carpets. Like I love doing movie premieres because I think every movie is a miracle. And the fact that they ever get made and make it on a screen is like everything has to align for that to happen. And so it's like a fun celebration. So I helped with a red carpet last fall just through friends that I've met along the way. And then that turned into doing set publicity, which is where you go on a movie set and every day you interview the cast in their costumes for the day, kind of get their feedback of what they're feeling and talk to the director. And that's all content that you're going to use in marketing later on. But then you also manage any media that walks on the set. So if a TV station walks on the set, you're like, can't take a picture of that. Sorry, but you can look over this way. You can't see what's going on over there. So then after that, I ended up doing some more red carpets for Angel and worked at a couple of PR campaigns for them. And then in August, I started with them full time as the vice president of public relations. And there's been a lot of traction and momentum with Angel Studios here in the last year with Sound of Freedom and The Chosen, all sorts of different films and programs and things. Obviously, The Sound of Freedom has been probably one of the most marketable movies this year in general. What's some of the feedback that you've received and maybe from a publicist perspective, how you've had to react to different thoughts and reactions to the movie? You mean controversies? Without saying so, we can say controversy. (laughs) Sure, absolutely. Well, the film was made in 2017. It had a budget of $14 million. It was originally supposed to be released through Fox. Fox was sold to Disney. Disney didn't release the film, and so it just sat on a shelf. And then the producers tried to shop it to kind of say, hey, we really want to get this movie to come out. And so Angel acquired the movie in the spring. So the way Angel operates is that there are 100,000 people who pay into a guild, and they vote on what content they think Angel should release. So it's not a bunch of guys in a conference room going, we want this movie to come out, we don't want this movie to come out. It actually truly is crowdsourced. And so movies have to be approved by the guild to come out. So Sound of Freedom, we already know coming out of the gate is going to have a good response because we have this group of supporters who have said that they want to see the movie and they want to see it on a big screen. So the movie serves Jim Caviezel, Mira Sorvino, Bill Camp, who's a character actor who's amazing. And the film was done in 2017. And so when it came out this year, there were some controversies that kind of came out around it. And so a lot of them, you're just kind of like, how did this even happen? But also too, knowing that projects that kind of have a faith bent to them a lot of times where this film, I would say flat out is not a faith-based movie. It's based on a true story. Once in the movie, Jim Caviezel's character, Tim Ballard says, God's children are not for sale. And then in another scene, another character says something to the effect of when God tells you what to do, you do it. So it's not a faith-based movie. So out of the gate, it got kind of pegged as that just because of the people who were supporting it and some of the media outlets that were supporting it. It got called like far right wing. Like there was just all sorts of drama that was attached to it that I won't go into. It was interesting to see this is a movie about child trafficking. And one would think that child trafficking and ending human trafficking should be something that everybody should get together on. This should not be political. This should not be left or right. This shouldn't be Republican or Democrat. We need to end 
alleged child trafficking. There's 27 million slaves in the world today. It's worse than it's ever been when slavery was legal. And somehow this became a conspiracy movie and people were saying that it was lies or that this isn't how most trafficking happens. Like it was just fascinating to read the tension behind the movie. And as you deal with conflict, right? And I think this is something applicable to our class too, is that when you get into the real world with PR or not, there's going to be conflict. You know, without specifically going to elements of that, like what are some tactics throughout your career that you've used to maybe choice of words, just to kind of alleviate conflict in the midst of controversy or whatever you come across? Well, I think, and that's one thing that's really interesting for a class like this, is we're in a world where everything is recorded. You do like a little Instagram story and you say something, you have no idea where that's going to go or what the ramifications can be down the road. Like a sound bite can haunt you forever. Being mindful of your words, especially on anything that's recorded or on socials, I mean, it's essential. Like, thank God there was not that stuff when I went to school here. <laughs> you know, the things that can follow you through your life are now recorded for history pretty much no matter where you go. And so when you're looking at from a publicity standpoint, a lot of things, you just make no comments. Anything that you say can be taken out of context. It can be misconstrued. It can be put in different things. So now we just actually started a thing where I'm requiring that all interviews are recorded. They're all on our Zoom and they're all recorded because when something gets taken out of context, we can go back to the file, go to the editor of whatever the publication is and say, this was taken out of context. You have to revise the story because you just never know. This has been a really interesting learning curve on a project like that because the movie was made for $14 million and people wanted to say that it was conspiracy or that it wasn't true. And it made $183 million in the box office domestically. And it's still releasing worldwide. So I think we're at $229 million. We beat domestically Mission Impossible. We beat Indiana Jones. We beat Transformers. And so to say that this is like a one-sided thing, like child trafficking, you know, oh, it's nothing. It shouldn't be. $183 million proves that people care about an issue. Money talks. We'll just say that. The <laughs> Money box talks. office talks. <laughs> and it shows what people care about. And so this goes across the board, I think, for movies or whatever. If there's an issue that you care about, support it. I mean, it could be as little as liking a tweet or buying a movie ticket or buying an album instead of just listening to it on Spotify. It's important to stand up for what you believe in and what you support. And if it's an angel product, you should buy a ticket to it. There are some other works, some other movies that have recently come out or will be coming out with Angel Studios. If you wouldn't mind us talking a little bit about maybe the background of the and maybe from a publicist standpoint, because obviously Sound of Freedom and The Chosen are the first two things that will come to people's minds from Angel, but some of these other films are a great work, but they just might not get as much attention up front. So from a publicist perspective, what can you do to kind of help bridge the gap and bring some more awareness to it? We have a movie that just came out. It's called After Death. It's near-death experiences. And so it's people who survived a near-death experience and then doctors who've studied it, surgeons who were in the room and watched these things happen. This film made $5 million in the box office, which compared to like A Sound of Freedom, it's not even apples and oranges. They're two completely different categories. But this week, it'll be the number one faith-focused documentary ever to hit theaters, which is kind of staggering. It's also the number 12 documentary opening of all time, period. And then there was something this year where the number two documentary in the box office, right behind BTS's documentary. So I was like, boy band, and then a documentary about near-death experiences. Like, we're in good company, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
That one's coming up December 1st. We have a sci-fi romance that stars Neil McDonough, who is everybody's favorite villain right now. He's in Yellowstone and Justified. He was in Captain America. He was in Banner Brothers. I mean, his resume is insane. Christopher Palaha is the lead actor. He's in Hallmark movies, and he was in Wonder Woman 1984, and he's got a really fun resume, too. Three of the actors from The Chosen are in it. Sean Astin from Goonies and Lord of the Rings and Stranger Things. That's a super fun movie, and it is a modern-day take on The Book of Job, but it's in parallel universes. So if you like multiverse romances, this could be for you. And then the one we're also really starting to focus on is March 8th. There's a movie called Cabrini. Back in the 80s and 90s, Cabrini Green was a housing project, and it was one of the more dangerous places in the U.S. Like, there was always National Guard called there for violence and things. So I grew up always just kind of assuming and seeing Cabrini churches, mainly Catholic churches like St. Cabrini chapels all around the country. And I always assumed that Cabrini was a man and it was a woman. And she was an Italian immigrant who came to the U.S. to take care of orphans. And her story is incredible and has been kind of lost to history. And so we're really hoping that Cabrini has people saying her name again. Go buy a ticket. Opening weekend. That's a publicist's dream right there, right? Exactly. Yeah, build putting it right next to the holiday and everything else. And that's so great. So you started a business and now you're really focused on Angel. But when you did have your own business with Biscuit Media Group, how did you build it up? And then what are some keys to finding and maintaining clients throughout the years? I probably made all the wrong decisions. <laughs> I never even took an accounting class. So I just kind of figured it out. Like I just went and figured out how to get enough of my taxes done that I wouldn't get audited when I first started and really just found a need and just figured out how to do it. And I think that maybe I was just stubborn and just thought it would be really fun to keep working in movies and figure out how to do it. But yeah, I mean, a lot of it was just kind of being focused, like being driven. And also, I really, really care about stories. And I really think that story is powerful and it changes lives and it changes thoughts. And what cooler thing to do than to get to talk about great stories. Jesus told stories all the time. And I just couldn't think of anything that was better to work on. I also don't really care if I have a nine to five job. I don't live in that world. And nobody who works in movies wants to have weekends off. Yeah. <laughs> like you're going to work all the time. But it's an incredibly fulfilling thing when you get to work on projects that you really believe in. And I think whenever you're doing a speech for speech class exactly. or promoting something, people can tell if you care or not. And so I think that's one of the biggest things. I just really cared about movies, but also pretty much all of my clients came just from connections. So, I mean, it's just like relationships throughout the years. So people that I met when I was here at Judson and started at that little recording studio in town, I still work with them. Like a lot of them I talk to all the time. In fact, so the reason that I'm here is because we're making an announcement at Chapel about a Rich Mullins creative weekend that's going to be coming up next year. And of the group, one of the guys I I've known since I was at the studio over there in 1993. So it's all relationships. That's maybe the other takeaway is that no matter what you're building, life is about relationships. It's about friendships and connections. And so I always try and honor those relationships. And it's been really amazing to get to just grow with a bunch of other people who are just driven to tell stories or to do music or to write or to paint or to be creative and just kind of all grow together. But pretty much every job I've had has just been because of somebody else that I knew. 
So you're here for this Rich Mullins experience and making that announcement and everything else. What did Rich mean to you as a Christian listening to his songwriting when he was doing his thing in the 80s and 90s? Like, what did the impact that he left you as a Christian music connoisseur in that era? Well, I'm kind of one of the odd ones out in the group that's on the advisory committee for this because I met him in passing, but it wasn't like I worked directly with him like a lot of the other people did. But like when I was here in high school and college, I found such an interesting faith that he had that was so driven by love of people and by taking care of the earth. He just kept the main thing, the main thing. Like it was about loving people and loving people well, loving God, loving him well, serving people and asking tough questions and not having to have their answers. I always respected his music so much because it didn't tie things up in a little bow. It wasn't always just kind of happy worship music, especially at the time in the 80s and 90s. A lot of Christian music was very clean and tidy and always had a happy ending. And his music didn't necessarily do that. Like his writings didn't do that. They were really challenging. And it was like, it's okay to have questions about faith. It's okay to be unsettled. It's okay to not be content here on earth because that's not what we're made for. But we're made to serve each other and love each other and keeping that as the focus always impacted me throughout my whole career. Over the years with your company and when you were with Biscuit, you had a team of publicists. When it came to hiring publicists, what were some characteristics that you were looking for in that individual and trust them with the work that you had? People who don't need to sleep very much. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I like people who are very caffeinated because that's a big part of the job. I mean, really, a lot of it is attention to detail, making sure that when one of our talent has an interview that they know everything they need to know about the person who's doing the interview, what time it starts, the Zoom link. I mean, it's kind of the basics, but it really is important when you're caring about somebody like over communicating is caring. And I try and remind myself all the time of that because I'm not great at that detail part of the job. But also, too, you've got to love the work. You've got to love the people. And so that's one of the biggest connection points for me when I hire publicists is that they've got to have great grammar. But the biggest thing is that they really have to care about the projects and care about the people more than anything on both sides. They got to care about the journalists just as much as they care about the talent, kind of protecting the needs of both. And so that's been kind of my biggest thing in hiring is people who are just super positive, love people. And if they're really good at Excel sheets, then it's even better because I'm terrible at them. How would you say throughout your career that God shaped your vocational journey? It could be the whole summary of the whole experience now, something back then. What were your thoughts on that? That's a great question. I think there's a good time in my career that I just kind of did whatever I wanted to. I didn't necessarily look for guidance in there. And those were easily the hardest times of my life, you know, where I was just trying to do the thing that's fun or that's cool or that everybody wants to be a part of. When I moved to LA, you know, there's that kind of the allure of kind of those big projects. They just make a lot of money. Everybody knows about them. They're a lot of fun. When I was trying to go after projects like that or working with bands like that or something, it never worked out. It was a lot more work than what it needed to be. And then when I just kind of go, hey, God, just open the door. I'll walk through it. Everything changes. And so that's been really one of my biggest faith parts of my career is just whenever I say I give up, this is not my job, this is yours, you know, <laughs> like just open the door and show me what to do. That's when things happen and they happen easily. And it's always something that I could have never orchestrated myself. But then also too, like I'm really picky about who I work with, like the type of people now that I work with, the quality of people that I work with. 
iron sharpens iron. The people that you work with rub off on you and vice versa. And so finding those quality people who align with your values is essential. When all those pieces add up where you've got great people of faith, or at least people who align with your values and just being open to walking through the doors that God's open, it's very cool. Back when Bono and you 2 were doing their red campaign things, he had a quote on some show that I was watching and he said something about instead of asking God to bless what you're doing, just get behind what God's doing because it's already blessed. And I think that there's just so much wisdom in that. Find what God's doing. Find where the undercurrent is because God's already blessing that. And when you get to come alongside it, there's nothing like it. It's amazing. There has been some success with Christian filmmaking, but I would say to the extent of what Angel's done compared to any other project, Angel seems to have the most sustainability of anything that's happened within Christian filmmaking on this level. So with that in mind, what are your thoughts on why Christianity has a place in Hollywood? There's a lot of Christians in Hollywood that are doing amazing things. And I've only worked for Angel for a short time, but Angel's not about anti-Hollywood at all. It's a different model, right? It's a different way of looking at releasing movies, about distributing content, building communities. It's just a different model. It's like not anti-Hollywood. So we don't really operate in those circles to a certain extent. You know, yes, of course, because we sell movies and you're going to AMC to watch our movies. You're not going to a church or something like that to watch it, where there was a lot of movies that they marketed direct to churches. I also wouldn't say that a lot of the angel projects, they're really more faith-oriented than being overtly like Christian or missional, I guess would be a word for that. So it's really more faith-forward or faith-affirming. The whole thing is with angel is we create content that amplifies light. So it's about making projects that are pure and true and noble and worthy of praise and excellent. So it's just a different model. And so about a month ago, we were in LA and got invited to attend an event that our CEO and CDO were on a panel and they got to talk. And it was really because we were kind of like, we don't really live in this world. So I really know what to expect walking into this kind of true industry event. And it was really fun because everybody knew about Sound of Freedom and kind of how disruptive that was for the industry. And it was fun because everybody just said, this is awesome. Keep doing what you're doing. How'd you pull it off? Like, how do you sell this many tickets in the summer on a movie like this or like for documentaries like how do you bring those to a theater and it wasn't like an us against them feel I love Hollywood movies like all of us like we love it we just operate in a different model but it was really fun to kind of hear a lot of the people in the industry say you know this is great keep doing it and one guy actually asked he said do you even have employees in Hollywood and I honestly didn't know because I'm so new there I'm like I don't think we have any and he just said that's the smartest thing a movie company could do is to actually not just kind of get insulated by what Hollywood does. Like if one person tries to buy a movie, then all of the companies want to buy the same movie. You know, it just becomes kind of a club. And so but it's been really fun, actually, to see your support and all these different companies to say, hey, you're shaking this up. You're making everybody think a little bit differently about how to release a movie or what your audience should look like or how to get people interested, how to build a community. And so it's been really fun. It's just different because we just kind of have a different system than what pretty much any other film distribution company is. So a lot of our audience, at least in person today, are a lot of students. We have, I would say overall, we're probably averaging more underclassmen than upperclassmen, but we do have a few upperclassmen as well. So all within the next four years, Lord willing, these students are going to be trying to go for the workforce, right? And they're trying to branch out there and find a job or a start of a career path. What would your tip be for an aspiring communicator of any field as they graduate college? What's something that they can tangibly think about going into the workforce that would be beneficial for them? 
I think being available is really important. Being open, like not waiting for permission. I think I may be looking at this just wrong because when I graduated, there weren't PR degrees. You know, like what I ended up wanting to do wasn't something that you could just go and take a class for. You just had to figure out how to do it. And I think there's just a lot to be said for just taking the initiative and kind of creating your own path, especially if there's something that you really want to be in. Like if you want to be in film or you want to be in sports or entertainment or a tech industry or something like that is not kind of waiting for permission. Just kind of start doing it if you can, if it's that kind of a job. I mean, obviously, if you're going into like, you want to be a surgeon, this is probably not the best way to say it. But so much of life isn't taught in a classroom. Like this stuff is really important and it's essential. So I'm not saying that, but especially kind of niche careers, you just got to go out and do it. And then if you're not making mistakes, you're not doing it right. Like you've got to be failing a good amount of the time to be valuable to a company because that shows that you've got leadership and you're thinking like somebody who's going to start a business because you can't start a business and not be willing to fail right? Because it's going to happen, especially if you want to go into like restaurants or something like that. Statistically, it's not going to work. But you've got to have that fortitude in that direction and just figuring it out on your own. And if somebody came into my office and they wanted to do some PR stuff and they're like, hey, I tried to do this campaign for this nonprofit that I got involved with in college and it crashed and burned. Man, we had this awful <laughs> flashback. I would hire you in a heartbeat because you took a risk and you tried it. You know, you went out there and did it. And then especially if you're like, it crashed and burned and now I know not to do this, I'd hire you in a heartbeat over somebody else who'd gone through school and done all the internships and done everything right just because you took the initiative. A big thank you to Lori for coming on. Exciting things are happening in the Christian movie sphere. Lori is an alumna of Judson University, where we record the Minds of Meaning podcast in the Darkroom Studios. Judson University has been shaping lives that have shaped the world for 60 years. To learn more about Judson University, its majors, and of course, its studios, visit judsonu.edu. Lori announced recently that there will be an inaugural Rich Mullins Creative Community Weekend from October 11th through 13th, 2024, right here at Judson University. The weekend will be an opportunity for individuals from various creative arts and expressions such as music, writing, art, poetry, comedy, spoken performance, and other areas to come together to share their talents and craft as well a network to connect. The creative spirit of the weekend is reflective of Rich Mullins's inventiveness, vision, and authenticity. The weekend will also feature presentations and special features highlighting Mullins's life and career. Be sure to like and subscribe to the Minds of Meaning podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, Amazon Music, and of course, follow along at our website at mindsofmeaning.com. Be sure to tune in to past and future episodes of the podcast. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Minds of Meaning podcast. To learn more about Minds of Meaning, visit mindsofmeaning.com or Minds of Meaning on the mainstream social media platforms. God bless.